Good morning and welcome to AI Daily. I'm Farb Nivy. I'm here with my co-hosts, Ethan and Connor, and we've got three great stories for you today. The first one is Gil. We'll tell you what that means in a few. Style Avatar 3D and Gorilla. So if that doesn't explain it all, that's why we're here. Let's start off with Gil. Can you tell us a little bit about Gil, Ethan? Did you get a chance to, to, to dig into this and what this story is all about? I did. So Gil is pretty much a method to infuse LLMs with an image encoder and decoder. So to simplify that, what that means is, you know, a lot of times if you're dealing with ChatGPT or you're using these LLMs, they yet to have a clean way to recognize images, to understand images, to speak about images, that whole kind of experience of let me send an image to a chatbot and have it respond to me with another image edited from it or an explanation of that image or some way to inject images into the LLM. So there's a lot of different ways of doing this. We've seen multimodal approaches, people training a large model of images and LLMs. But Gil took an interesting approach, pretty much injecting these image embeddings into the LLM. So it comes with a, a bunch of kind of interesting use cases. They've shown that even just prompting stable diffusion, they're able to get more accurate representations because they're injecting this text encoder into it. A few of their demos, of course, that we'll be showing below, you can see that you're saying, hey, I send a picture of ramen and say, hey, can you make this healthier? And it understands not only the image itself and says, hey, this image is just basic ramen. And then it understands from its own memory, hey, ramen should maybe add some vegetables to it. And it returns to you another image, ramen with vegetables in it and an explainer. So it's an approach to understand images, to respond with images that does not involve a huge multimodal training operation. Um, so I found it really interesting. But Connor? Yeah, it's pretty exciting because it can both generate new images and retrieve images, which is pretty big. A lot of multimodal models are limited to just retrieval. But again, having the encoder built in means it can, you can send it a picture of a cupcake and say, hey, how should I market this? And then it'll generate a new image of a cupcake with a sign in front of it and a little caption saying, you should probably do an image, do marketing like this, where you show your cupcakes and say your brand in front of the cupcakes. Pretty exciting to have generation built in as well. So yeah. we're no strangers to uh, LLMs or image generation via stable diffusion. I thought this was pretty cool. The examples they gave were, were neat. This is, you know, pretty, pretty niche type of experience they're trying to go, go after here. Uh, mm -hmm. it, you could say it's got some real world applications though, since, you know, people text each other a lot and people send each other images a lot. Some people were asking what the differences between this and some of Meta's multimodal work was. I d didn't quite see, see, see an answer. I think uh, maybe the retrieval and generation piece is, is a little bit unique. Uh, the code is open source as well, entirely. Look that. The code is also open source, which of course mo Meta's is not. So Yeah, yeah. The code here is available, I believe, if I, if I remember correctly. Is that right? I think uh, we've, we've got, I think the style avatar 3D code isn't quite ready, Com but I think it's coming, coming soon is, is coming soon. Yeah. We love coming soon. That's right. I mean, at least they were willing to announce that they were going to actually release the code and not just be like, Here's a paper and here's some examples and, and peace out. Right. Well, let's go move on to our next story. Style Avatar 3D still sticking around in the image generation world. This one's a little bit different than some of the stuff you've seen before, largely because it's three-dimensional. Connor, did you get a chance to dig into this paper a little bit? I found it pretty interesting. Yeah, I read into a little bit. It's 
image text diffusion for high fidelity 3D avatar generation. So it can get different poses, it can get different styles, really a whole range of avatars in a complete 3D space that we really haven't seen before possible. And they're very high resolution. They look very good. Um, some of the demos, we'll be showing them right here on the side. Um, and to, so. give, to give people a little bit of a sense, that, because they've probably seen things like this and they're just trying to be like, okay, how is this different than you know, one of these cool avatar generators that uses stable diffusion. What, what's the big deal? Why is 3D make it any different? Ethan, can you help people understand the, the importance of the 3D part of it? Yeah, the 3D is really important. I think if you've ever used stable diffusion and you try to get that visual accuracy with 3D, it's very, it's very difficult. Um, so a model like this coming out to being able to produce these 3D images is one important, but I think the most important thing to me was the consistency. If you saw their GIF, you know, they have these kind of circling GIFs of these avatars and they're changing just the hair color slightly. They're changing just the eyes slightly and being able to point a model in that direction, um, quote unquote, is the, really the most important part here to me. We're seeing, hey, can we generate a face in 3D, but then also make sure it is consistent. You know, we're not just generating random kind of stable diffusion prompts. We want this avatar with these attributes and they even had some interesting ways of kind of mapping attributes to the output of the image generation. So the attribute mapping combined with the consistency of a generated image was the big news to me here. Yeah, I think typically we've seen these examples of uh, people generating something similar where as a, a face or as a body is moving through a space, it's kind of wildly changing. And, and, and really, it might look like it's a video, but it's just a bunch of stills that are connected to each other that kind of make it look like somebody's turning their face or somebody's moving. And then that's not quite what's happening here. Here they're, they're actually mapping out the three-dimensional space to give you a much more consistent experience. Absolutely. Very, very exciting for games, for social, where you can have a consistent 3D avatar, which wasn't really possible before. I mean, it's funny, the power, the 2D power of all this stuff and people's ability to sort of you know, connect a bunch of two-dimensional images together to make something that looks three-dimensional is so powerful that once this 3D stuff comes, people are already like, wait, I already thought we had 3D stuff. But it's like, no, not, not really. This is, a, this is a pretty big leap forward. And this is, you know, if you're building games, for example, you can't stitch a bunch of 2D images together to make, a, to make what looks like a movie. You need, you need 3D assets. assets. So this is, this is pretty powerful to see. Awesome. Let's move on to Gorilla. I thought this is a pretty... Profound story. These folks at Gorilla, I can tell, are super excited. They are calling themselves the uh, API app store for LLMs. Uh, they have an AP, sorry, they have a, they developed Gorilla, which can pick from thousands of APIs to complete a user task, even surpassing GPT 4, they say. Uh, and it's a connection between the LLM world and the endless API world. And one of the challenges that they found that they had to really accomplish to you know pull this off was stop the hallucinations that are prevalent in some of the other models in, including gpt4 so what they have is a very accurate way for you to say hey i need an api that does this and gorilla will give you that api instead of sort of hallucinating some random piece of information connor have you have you taken a look at this yet yeah i took a look at it a little bit the hallucination is very interesting because Based off their evaluation, GP4 actually hallucinates more than GP3.5, which is very interesting to see. Yeah, that was interesting to see too. Yeah, I agree. 
Um, but the main thing here is that, again, it's another entirely open source. The training isn't open source yet, but the inferencing, the data set, the evals, completely open source and available for use. And it's very nice to see a 1,640 APIs available to be called um, from what looks like a very capable model. They demoed it in comparison to Apple's built-in spotlight and performs way better from calling S3 to calling Hugging Face to calling another thousand APIs in there. It looks like a very capable model. So powerful stuff. Ethan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, we've we've seen, you know, the, these types of things and talked about similar on past shows. But this is once again, I think, an example of fine tuning beats prompting. And when this model was fine tuned on all of these APIs, you get a lot better responses with saying, hey, I need an image model that can recognize eyes, <clears throat> for example. And you're going to be able to pull directly the API that was fine tuned for this model. You're going to reduce hallucinations. You're going to reduce accuracy. I don't think there's anything too new here, but I am very excited that they've been fine-tuning it on APIs. And the most exciting part to me was their architecture around updating the model. So, of course, you don't want to fine-tune the model entirely again if you get a new API or there's a model updates or you want to switch from, you know, Torch over to Hugging Face or something like that. So their model around being able to update these APIs quickly within the model from embeddings, et cetera, is the huge news here. And I think is what allows them to do, you know, this potential API app store, allows people to contribute to it faster, allows the model to get better, faster and faster without all this retraining. So to me, sum up, you know, fine tuning is better than prompting. It's gonna be less hallucinations at GPT-4, but the way they structured this in general it is amazing. And I think when you give LLMs the power of APIs, you can honestly do anything. They're really excited about the app store API for, <laughs> App Store for APIs, it was uh, mm -hmm. really cool to see a, a team uh, that's clearly excited about what they're working on. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's some three deep tech stories for you here today. <laughs> Pace of development in AI is not slowing down anytime soon. What else are we all seeing out in the wonderful world of AI, Connor? Yeah, I saw a little tweet that went kind of viral. It was... First, it was linking another tweet that went a bit viral on the 30th of March, which is earlier this year, where one of the, uh, where a press correspondent uh, asked the White House press correspondent, like, hey, what do we think about AI risk? What's the problem here? And everyone else in the room just laughed and the White House press correspondent was like, nothing to worry about. And then that was compared to a clip from just yesterday where he asked essentially the same question, but everyone in the room was very silent, very grave faced and she had a very serious response about how it's a serious risk they're looking into. So the contrast of just a couple months ago versus now is at least nice to see out of the White House. The Doomer yeah, memetics. I think, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say the Doomer memetics of the White House. Yeah, you know, there was another big announcement. This was what I was going to talk about. There was another big announcement yesterday. A bunch of experts signed a piece of paper uh, saying that there is a, another extinction level crisis in our hands. And so um, it's important, apparently, that there is always an extinction level crisis that people are concerned about and worried about. Um, God forbid you go about your short life enjoying it. You need to be juggling three different extinction level crises happening at any given time. And you know, what I really found interesting about yesterday's was that there was a clear concerted effort. Not only were they going to announce this sentence that they've all 
agreed to is a sentence. Uh, they're also going to have Wired, Vice, Reuters, you name it, all also talk about how experts, we can make sure that we use the word experts uh, because they never make any sort of mistakes. Experts have said a sentence and we have to write these articles about this sentence that experts have said is a sentence. It all seems to me like a lot of self-serving nonsense. I don't think the average person understands or cares about any of this stuff. Uh, maybe they're trying to get the average person to care about this stuff, but what's the average person going to do about it? The average person is going to stop super intelligent AI from exterminating all life on Earth. If, you know, it, it would be a great movie where you know, The Rock plays this average person who has to uh, stop the super intelligent AI from exterminating life on Earth. So I think that I'm looking they forward to a few times. Um, a couple yeah. decades ago. So, what's that? Kind of. I said, yeah, they made this movie a few times over the past yeah, two decades. Keep making. So. They'll keep making the movie. The funny, like, if you're reading this organization's <laughs> charter, they're mentioning some of their major concerns, and and one of them is enfeeblement. Uh, and they actually quote in in their own charter. They're like, like in the movie Wally. So, so this very serious organization's very serious charter is trying to make sure that Wally doesn't happen. I mean, Wally was a pretty serious movie. I, I definitely felt something watching it. So I don't know yeah, about you guys. The people in Wally seem perfectly happy to me. I don't know. Just leave them alone. <laughs> Ethan, what are you seeing? Um, yeah, no, I saw the exact same thing. The Center for AI Safety. Um, I'll read off a statement, which was mitigating the risk of extinction. Well, that was your story for today too? Yeah. Mitigating okay. the risk of extinction from AI should be a global priority alongside other societal scale risks such as pandemics and nuclear war. Um, you know, honestly, ditto pretty much everything you said, Farb. I think they have gathered the signatories of, you know, pretty much every big person in the space and they want to continue the narrative that this is something we should worry about and think about. And, you know, I may not hate it on as much as you, but I, it's very directionless right now, and they want to position this as something extremely dangerous, which I think is dangerous in and of itself. So we'll continue to see how it plays out, but ditto much of what you said. I think I you think said it well. It, it is dangerous, and the way they're talking about it may also be dangerous, and the way they're going about talking about the danger may also be dangerous. Connor, what are you saying? I think the framing is a bit dangerous, but of course, like existential AI risk is something Mr. Altman cares about, and I'm glad it's something the White House cares about, personally. So, Yeah. Yeah. Hey, well, we all have our opinions, right? We all have our opinions here. I have a feeling we'll be here talking about ai daily for the next thousand years so um, if not us part. synthetic us yeah if not us synthetic us so here's to the ai dreamers over the ai doomers thanks for joining us today for this excellent episode of ai daily we'll see you tomorrow have a great day everyone thank you all. Thanks.